Entrepreneur MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic, and I'm co-founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions is a leading provider of lines of credit to small businesses. Our line of credit program is fast, easy, inexpensive, and costs nothing to set up, making a great cash backup plan for your business. If you'd like to learn more about our line of credit program, please visit us at fscreditline.com. That's FS as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. Or give us a call at 862-207-4118. Just remember the time to set up a credit line is before you actually need it so that when you have a problem or you want to make an investment in your business, you have it ready to go. Today, I am excited to be speaking with Alex Sanfilippo uh, from Podcast Match. Uh, Alex is a serial entrepreneur, having also worked for 15 years as a senior executive for a publicly traded aerospace company. Alex's other businesses have included a technology company that created virtual tours of properties, building a globally ranked Christian multi-authored blog with over 130 content writers, a web design company, and he's also a national motivational speaker and a business coach as well. Alex is also the host of the top-rated entrepreneurship podcast, Creating a Brand, and is the founder of a brand new company, Pretty No, we'll, we're going to be talking about it today, Pod, podmatch.com, a free service that matches podcast guests and hosts together for interviews. Uh, Alex, uh, welcome to today's, to, to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Stephen, honored to be here with you. That introduction made me sound like I do all those things at the same time. That's over like a 20-year period, all those things. But thank you for, uh, for sharing all that. It was a great introduction. Well, you know, your, your bio uh, that you have um, is, is a page long. And, you know, it was, I, I, I want, I, when I read it, I was like, you know, this is all really good information. I wish I could read this whole thing on air, but I can't. Of course. And so I had to consolidate it. Um, but, uh you know, your, your, your background is a lot like mine too, multiple companies. So, uh, so that's all good stuff. And, you know, we're going to be talking about today uh, about the topic of why doing things that don't scale matters in business and which is contradictory to, you know, a lot of uh, concepts. So uh, I'll be interested, uh, you know, but before we kind of even get there, I'm going to tell our, our, our listeners that, you know, I got introduced to Alex because I use his service, Podmatch. Um, I, I love it. I, I totally love it. And, Thank you. Yeah, and I, you know, I've had, um, you know, I, I, as our listeners, some of our listeners know, I've had, I have had six companies in twenty five years, and sometimes people say to me, you know, what was your favorite, right? And my favorite company was was one that financially didn't, you know, did okay, but. It was a, it was the, one of the only companies where I actually found a problem that no one was solving and I started a company in it. And all my other companies have been, you know, kind of in a space where you're competing against competitors. And, you know, I, you know, I actually, I don't know if a pod match, which matches up people who want to go on podcasts two people who want are looking for guests. I don't know if there's competition out there for it, but I, I know this, it directly solves a problem I was having. So, uh, you know, tell us a little, little bit about that company. 
Sure. Thank you so much for allowing me to even do that, Stephen. That means a lot. And for you being part of Podmatch, seriously, an honor to have somebody, especially at of your level of achievement and what you're doing with this podcast being on there is, is an honor. So yep. um, there may or may not be competitors out there. I think a few people had the same idea at the same time. But regardless, when I started it, the idea was, hey, there's nothing like this. Can we can we help people with it? And that was the whole idea of it. Me being in podcasting my, myself for years, I mean, I can remember day one having a really hard time convincing someone to be on a podcast that hadn't launched yet. But six months later, it wasn't much easier. It was still kind of the same struggle of, man, like I can find people who will be a guest. Like I can get my mom on here, you know, but like that doesn't mean it's the right fit. So how can I find those people? And so I, I saw the need personally for myself, but I needed to validate it. So I started just asking other podcasters. I, I spoke at a conference um, prior to, to COVID and uh, there's about 2,000 people there. And I told my wife, when I get off this stage, I'm going to ask as many people as I can what they're struggling with. There's about 2,000 people there. And whether you're a good speaker or a bad speaker, people line up to talk to you. And I asked a, a lot of people and about 100 of them said the same thing. I'm having trouble finding the ideal guest for my show. They may have verbalize that a little bit different, but that, that was the gist of it, what I took away. And that was where the idea really came from. I was like, well, if, if this many podcasters, a group of people that I'm passionate to serve are having this problem, I, I owe it to them and to myself to be able to come up with a solution for it. And from there, I just started going for it. I, I brought on a co-founder who's a technical founder, and uh, he started building out the software. I kind of designed it and stuff like that. And it was actually March 10th, 2020, when we had the idea and June 15th, 2020 is when we launched into early beta with the 100 people who said that that was a problem they had as customers and uh, members, as we call them. And from the rest is kind of history, but we just started solving that problem. Yeah. And the software is also developed very well. I mean, there is everything that I would want in it um, from, you know, being able to um, uh, have conversations uh, and have have the kept a record of it uh, with people who might be guests to, you know, looking at their following and their websites. I mean, it, it does everything that I really want. Uh, you know, it's funny. I have a friend about, oh, about two months ago who said to me, oh, you do you do these two podcasts. And he goes, you know, I'm thinking about doing it myself. And, you know, he was like, uh, what do I need to do? And when I told him, he was surprised that, that it was more complicated than he, and it's not, but it's a little more, you know, you have to have a, uh, a, a, a company that you work with. I use Libsyn, uh, to upload your podcast, to all the podcasting apps. Uh, you have to use Zencaster, which is, uh, is something that records it, the, the, uh, audio and, and, and video and, uh, and then, and now we, I, now I use, you know, Podmatch to help me find guests. And, uh, and, and I also actually have myself on there as a, as a uh, potential podcast, a uh, person, uh, ho- a person, a guest to go on another, other podcast. Um, so it's, uh, and I think I just started doing podcasting. I do two different shows in December of 2019. And I kind of said, you know what? Let me just start doing it and I'll just, try to improve as I go along. I actually don't, you know, I, I love doing them. And so, you know, the thing you can do, like, I think, uh, before we get into our topic, if you can love what you do inside of your work, uh, and it produces results, (laughs) those are two great combinations. And I, I really like doing the podcast. And of course I do it as a lead generator for financing solutions 
Um, and, and also, it also builds content on our website as well. So, uh, yeah. So how, how has the business been going so far? It's, it's done really well. And quickly, before I, I come on that, I just want to mention like podcasting is more work than people make it out to yeah. me. And you know what the proof of that is, Stephen, is how many people start a podcast but don't stick with it. Uh, an example of that, believe it or not, only 10% of people who start a podcast make it to 50 episodes. Hmm. So there's a 90% failure rate in your first year of podcasting. That should tell you it's a little bit more than people think. But um, yeah, and I, I wanted to, to, again, going back to Podmatch now, I wanted to solve a little bit of that problem. And I know one of the biggest complaints was, okay, well, finding guests is hard. And that's why I stopped because I just ran out of people. I ran out of cousins, right? Or like yeah. whatever it might be. And uh, so we wanted to help solve that problem. The business has done very well. I mean, we just passed our first year of being launched when we're recording this. And uh, we've got about 12, just over 12,000 people using the platform now. And it, it's it's solving that basic need, that problem. The business itself is is doing very well from a financial standpoint. Uh, we now have, I, I believe there's seven of us total that are working the business and growing it. But it has been a really fun thing just to realize that, hey, there was a problem. We offer a solution to it. Like That's very fulfilling for me personally. So I'm just having a blast serving the people that are trusting us with their time. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's, it's a SaaS business, which is, you know, software as a service model. And those are, I have a SaaS business too, and another business, uh, they're the best businesses. They are the best. (laughs) I, I, you know, my business partner and I are, we're, we're kicking the tires right now, kind of saying, you know, let's, you want, do we want to start another company, a SaaS business? And, um, and, you know, it's just great because you can like, I love it because, like you get suggestions from clients and, you know, honestly, you don't have to deal with a lot of employees and, uh, you know, it could be a small a footprint of employees right. and, and it's a reoccurring revenue stream and, you know, people make suggestions and you go to your you know technical team and they implement it. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. you know, it's just a great business. And, uh, so I, you know, I like what you're doing here and uh, keep doing it because I, uh, Thank you. I'll be a client for a long time. Thank you. You'll get a kick um, out of this, by the way. The first time so- someone told me I was a SaaS founder, I had no idea what that meant. Um, <laughs> so um, anyway, that was, I, I knew you'd get a kick out of that because I was like a SaaS founder. I'm like, what does that mean? That sounds terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> or, or software is a, a cloud computing, right? Um, right. You know, yeah, I, uh, I get it. I get it. Um, so, uh, so let's get let's get back into uh, this topic that you picked. I know when in your uh, Podmatch software, you know you you give the uh, the guests the opportunity to list things that they could potentially talk about, and this was one of the things that you 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 uh, you had mentioned, um, and it's a little contradictory, as I said, you know. Uh, so let's you know the topic again: why doing things that don't scale matters in business. Tell me why you. I have this as one of your topics. Yeah, I think this is very wise of you first off, Stephen, for coming up with a topic like this. I mean, you have a phenomenal podcast. I listened to one you did with um, Adam Robinson. Oh, yeah. Where, where he was talking about growing his business and building into the 500, what was it? 500 fastest growing companies. Yep. Uh, phenomenal interview. Just brilliant. So mm-hmm. little little side note there. Everyone should go back and listen to that episode. Yeah. But uh, your, your listeners, like they could really value from this because as you start getting successful, I find that we get further and further from the customer, the member, the person who's using our product or service or buying it or whatever it might be. And as we get further from that, you build more systems, more structures, which is phenomenal. That's what businesses should do. But if we lose touch with the person that we are serving or helping, 
that can become a problem because you can begin to deviate from the original course or path. And we and Stephen, you and I have both seen this happen. We see companies that almost become even unicorn companies and they aren't actually solving the problem anymore because they built so big, they raised so much capital, they've added so much staff, they lost touch with the reason for it because all they're thinking is scale, 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 grow as fast as we can. But the problem is, again, we lose touch with the person who's actually using what we have. And what we find with many of those companies that grow that fast is they fall almost as quickly as they do because at the end of the day, someone realizes, oh, there's no real customer who wants this anymore. It's, it's transformed too much. It's changed. And that to me is the reason why we have to do things that don't scale. Doing things that don't scale simply means to me keeping touch with the person who's using the product or service. I don't mean your biggest customers. I mean the person who's just getting started, the person who's been around for a year, the person who doesn't like what you're doing, like talking to those people, even when you're at the top of those businesses, knowing that being in touch with that is in my mind beyond valuable. But again, you can't scale that. Like there's no way me, the founder of Podmatch can talk to all 12,000 people. Like that doesn't work. So I can't scale it. But there's value in me connecting with people one-on-one any chance that I get. Did you now the big the other companies that you have had? Um, what was the largest uh, revenue that they were uh, at? That they reached at one point? Yeah, so the I mean the aerospace business. Well, grows. other than that, okay, one, cool, yeah, okay, because that yeah. one was in the billions. That's a public, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I helped take it public, um, wow. but uh, yeah, which was really fun, like a very fun experience to be part oh, of. That good experience. Uh, the, yeah, the due diligence was uh, something I'll forever remember. It's just like uh, I mean, it was a. It's a painful experience, but at the same time, something yeah. I'll forever remember is, is being a great thing to be part of. Uh, aside from that, um, when I was doing real estate, I was bringing in, I, it was six figures, not not seven, but six. I was on my way and then the economy crashed in 2007 and I, I was very negatively affected by that, if you will. But I'd say that that was really the biggest success from, on paper, if you will, of anything that I had done. Okay. All right. So, um, so... What what would you suggest to the business owners that are out there? So I think what happens is you got to put it into kind of brackets. Uh, you know, our listeners are under five million dollars in revenue typically. Mm-hmm. So the 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 kind of the issue I think you have is that you know at what point in revenue does the owner stop talking to your clients? And uh, you know it could be also you're based on your skill set too. If you're a technical person and you have a partner who's a people person, then that person probably is talking to clients quite a bit and you may not be. Um, so it may not be like at $3 million is when you have to be careful because you're starting to get away from it. It depends on your structure. It depends on what you're selling, uh, those type of things. But in general, what would you suggest that business owners do to stay in touch with their clients? Yeah, this is another really insightful question because you bring up a good point. Like imagine your business hits 10 or 15 million. You just, you don't have the time anymore or like you're on the technical side. I'll be honest, like my my co-founder, his name's Jesse, on the technical side, there's not a lot of value in him chatting with the customer directly. And I don't mean that to be mean, but he's on the technical side. So he might turn that into like roadmap that he needs to do when maybe that's not the real the real case. It's It's important to have somebody in your team or even a department of your of your company as it grows to make sure they're keeping that touch. And a great example of this is actually Airbnb, a company we've all heard of. The CEO of that company, the founder of that company, he still talks to people when he can. Now, he doesn't do that all day, and I'm not recommending that, but once a month, I believe, is what he's doing right now. He's taking time to talk with people that are actually using a service on either side. And I don't know how his team obviously schedules that, and he's very passionate to do that. But again, if that's just not you, have someone on your team that can bring that feedback to you in a way that you, the founder, can understand, even if it's a 
a monthly or quarterly meeting being like, hey, here's what we're hearing from people using our product or service. There has to be some way that this is continually happening because if you're not, again, you can easily lose touch. But it is important, again, you can figure out if it's going to be you, if it's being a team member, when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, who selects the people you talk to. But just having some sort of touch point is really important, especially for the one steering the ship. You've got to know these things if you're going in a right or wrong direction, I believe. Yeah, I did a really great podcast a long time ago. And um, geez, I, you know, I forgot the name of it. But you know, I actually have a, for those who can see, I'm holding up a uh, post-it note. I have it on my, on my uh, pushpin pad here. And the guy talked about, oh, geez, I wish I remembered the podcast, but it was, this, it was on the subject matter of staying in touch with your clients. He said, call customers and just ask questions. Ask them how they're doing. Ask them what challenges they're facing. Uh, don't ask them about your product. Just ask them how they're going. They'll talk about it. Uh, make it conversational and make it about them, not about you. And, you know, this, this, it's terrible like that I I have this post-it note it was it was important I don't have a lot of post-it notes here and this one was this made the you know the top of the list and you know and I I literally did this podcast maybe a year and a half ago and you think I've done this no <laughs> I haven't I haven't like reached out to my customers I mean I talk to people every day and you know and trade lots of emails um, but I you know I I don't reach out to them and say, how is, how are things going? How is business or, you know, how are, how are you? What challenges are you facing? Why is it so hard for us to do that? You know, I think and that that's, it's really a good question because I struggle with this too. And sometimes I wonder, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm busy building the thing, doing the thing, right? It's tough. And I think that it's because we, we're so focused on growing a business that it's hard to to deviate from that, which makes sense. I mean, that's why we started the business to grow it, right? So it makes sense that like we, we see that as being the priorities. Okay, what am I doing? What systems am I building? What am I developing? And this is a a discipline that I think that we have to have. It's one that doesn't come natural. I don't know anyone who just decides, yeah, I'm, I'm building this business. I'm making three really big decisions today, but I'm also going to get on two phone calls this afternoon, right? Or yeah. like this month. It's not easy to do. It takes a level of self-discipline. And also, the other thing that that scares me, Stephen, if I can just be transparent here, is like Podmatch is my baby. And that's what I'm getting the, the feedback on. I don't want to get on the phone with somebody who's going to call my baby ugly. Like that yeah. hurts my feelings. But it happens. Like not not every time, obviously, but it just takes one out of a hundred to like really put you down for a little bit. So it's even for me sometimes the, the scaredness of like, I don't want to hear if somebody doesn't like it. So that also causes some friction, some tension. I'd rather just be like, I'm building a good business, I'm building a good business, I'm building a good business. I don't I don't want to hear what you have to say about it, right? So again, it's it's like having this level of humility and also this self-discipline to go back and do these things because it does not come natural, especially for someone in a founder position. Yeah, you know, I think it's a good way to do this. Like the way you did, you just kind of looked at, look, you, you're a business uh, owner, I'm a business owner, you know, kind of look inside of ourselves and say, well, how come we don't do it um, uh, or as well as we would like it to do it? So, and I think there's a couple of things. And, and so the, even before I get there, I, 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 I wouldn't say it's a funny story. It's not exactly a, a, a um, it's not a, it's not going to make me look good and not that I'm <laughs> oh, trying no. to do that. Um, I, um, so one of my, my second company uh, was a company called Expert Seeker and it was really a, a great company. We got it to like uh, uh, 6 million and, but it was very profitable. And, uh, and I had it for several years. 
but um, we would get calls in and um, complaints uh, about something. And, you know, at first we were so small that, you know, I was the one, I would be answering those complaints. And I have a tendency to get very animated and passionate and loud. And it was, you know, it was a nightmare. It was always a nightmare because I'd end up, you know, you know, just it would the call would get worse and worse and worse, you know, because I, you know, I end up blaming the client or, you know, whatever. And so finally, I got to a point where I just told my, you know, my uh, staff at the time, I said, you know what? I don't think I'm the best person to do these calls because I get too emotional. I take it too personal. I think it's better. And we, we, we actually picked somebody because we didn't have a second command yet. We picked somebody who we thought was really good at it to handle customer complaints. And then they would come in and talk to me about it so that we can kind of resolve the issue uh, in a non-emotional way. Um, but that's you know an example of like what you're saying, you know. And I, I think the other two reasons is uh, that I I don't call clients enough is number one is um, I feel like I know what's going on already in there with with them and us. So I kind of make that assumption that I kind of know, you know. And so, but you know, I don't. And the thing is, I'm still in kind of a sales role with this company. You know, Financing Solutions is a small company. So I'm still dealing with clients uh, before they become clients on a day-to-day basis. So I kind of feel like I kind of got a I I understand them really well, but what I don't understand well and why I should be talking to our clients is once they become clients, I don't talk to them very often because they're when they're requesting the their a draw on their line of credit, they do a you know through a portal. And, you know, everything's done electronically. And uh, if there's ever a problem with a client, you actually, uh, my business partner handles the, that end where it's like, if, they, if he can't, if someone can't make a payment for, for whatever, then that kind of gets into his area. Um, so, but I still think it's the right thing to do, you know, to check in with my clients. And we were going to do that during COVID, you know, during COVID to say, to see how, you know, what was going on with our clients. And um, so, so what else, what else would you suggest is, is a good way of staying in touch with your clients other than just picking up the phone? Yeah. So there are, I mean, I, I really like what you just shared. I have a, a kind of a follow up to that real quick here that I think is just important. I mean, like you said, you might not, like we might not always be the right person. Like if we're overly emotional about it, which totally makes sense. I'm not saying that's a flaw by any mean for anyone who's listening today, who's, who's saying, oh, I would probably get feel like Steven does. And like, I feel sometimes I don't handle all the complaints. I handle the outward facing calls. I have someone else handle, I have a team member for that. Cause I get the same way. I'm like, man, I'm working really hard and I know it's serving people. And some people just, I don't know. They, they just like to be angry. I suppose, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. uh, and you personally have been super kind to us at Podmatch. Like you're the type of person I love to talk to because you're helpful. You offer good constructive criticism, but not in a way of like, Hey, Alex, you're the worst, you know? And like, some people just aren't, don't feel that way. So it's great to have somebody that can handle that. So you're not the one having to defend what you're doing and things like that. I think it's really wise to set up somebody that can do that. But I also really like talking to the existing customer to ask a couple of things. And the big one that you actually already hit on earlier, but is to ask what they're struggling with, like outside of what you're doing for them. Like, yeah, you're solving a problem that they have, but what if there's another one that's 
really close and you talk to five or six or 10 of your customers over a couple month period of time and they all say the same thing, well, I'm also struggling with this. Could that become an extra service that you provide? Could you find a partner that you could affiliate with to, to pass on uh, these people to and then get a, a, a commission off of it? There's all kinds of things you could do to help further solve people's problems. And then you become not only the person that's helping them with with the one thing that you do, but also the solution guy. It's like, oh, uh, Stephen has my back. I have a friend who was really good at this. She built a business helping people uh, publish books and then immediately after that, get them on stages. That was kind of like her her niche. And she said that she regularly has those same customers, like the people that have done that with her. She had one recently call her and said, hey, I know we live in the same city. Who should I call to get my roof fixed? Like I need an estimate on my roof. And she said that to a, a room of people. It was like, kind of like a mastermind setting. Everyone's like, that's super weird. And she goes, no, I love that. I'm the solutions person in that person's mind. They trust me and they ask me who I would trust. And they want to be the person who gets that type of call. Now, obviously, as a founder, like maybe we don't want that, that level but we do want people in their minds to be like, oh, you know what? Steven's company is really something that could help me out. Like, I know that he'll know somebody for this or his company will know someone for that. So I think that really sitting back and asking these questions is really important. Like, what's your biggest struggle right now? It's just a great thing to do. And like you're saying, and you had that interview a year and a half ago, whatever it was, just let it be an organic conversation. Just see where it goes. People will bring up how they feel, but make sure you're at the very least saying, hey, what else is going on in your life right now or in your business that maybe we could help with? Yeah, I think the... Um the the other issue I think it is is um, I feel like they would feel I am uh, trying to pitch something, you mm. know, and yeah, so you know I think it's the way you you word things, um, you know, and I think you know like I I have a hunch that Alex you're a um, an extrovert, you know, a yes. kind of a you know you could be a, a considered a salesperson, and then that's that's in a good sense. You know, salespeople have a bad rap, but right. If you're a professional, you. <laughs> yeah. If you're in professional sales, it's it's not what used car salesman is like, right? Um, you know, and uh, and I grew, I, I came up in the sales ranks, so uh, you know that's where I started. I worked for Xerox for eight and a half years before I started my first company. So, um, the uh, the you know, so. I think that you, uh, I, 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 this was the, the, the thing I was going to say was, you know, I used to listen to this guy by the name of Zig Ziglar, uh, Zig Ziglar, right? Yeah. A, oh, yeah. Legend. Yeah, legend, yeah. right? He was a, a, a sales trainer and speaker. And he would say is, um, just make that first call. He goes, once you make the first call, the, the rest of the calls will, will just you'll just make them. It's just making that first one. And then all the anxiety kind of goes away. You're like, Oh, that, you know, that wasn't so bad. You know, hopefully it went well, but even if it didn't go well, if you are an extrovert and you are, you know, a a people person, you can kind of handle a little bit of rejection. If the person's like, why are you calling me? You know, and stuff like that. So, you know, maybe I'll, I'll take your own advice and my own advice and pick up the phone and call up our yeah. clients and just say, so how are things now in your world? Um, you know, like, I think it's important to come up with the right wording, right? Yes. Something, something like, you know, now that the pandemic is kind of receding a little bit, um, how is business? Yeah. You know? that's, and I, that's, I just want to check good. and I've, I have no alternative motive here. I just want to let you know, you know, I, part of my agenda was I wanted to reach out to our clients. I don't talk to enough clients. I wanted to see how things are in your business. 
Yeah, you know? I mean, that's so that's so valuable. I mean, what you're talking about there is transparency, just being transparent as to why you're calling. I'm not talking to enough of them. That's a great thing to say. And then empathy. Hey, it was 2020 was a rough year for most of us. How are you guys doing? I just want to know. No agenda. I mean, setting that is going to if if they've never talked to you, they're now going to feel like, wow, Stephen cares. Like his company cares more so about our business, just about me. Like how how am I? And I, I think doing that is just beyond valuable. Now, of course, like we're saying, this is doing things that don't scale. You can't do it 24-7, but maybe once a month, set aside a two-hour time block and call four or eight people. And th- that's how I do it. Once a month, I set aside a day where I am doing all, like, all my calls are in one day. And right now, they usually last about 15 minutes. So I do four in an hour and I'm done. I, I learn a lot from it. But, uh, but I-, I think what you're talking about there, again, going back to what I just said, is just having that transparency and empathy is something that's a really great way to lead and let people not feel like, oh, this guy's just trying to, to, to sell me more. And to another point you said, like, it's scary the first time you do it. I always kind of picture a roller coaster. Some people completely hate roller coasters. For me, I'm always nervous when you're first like going up to the first drop, <laughs> right? Like you're climbing up. I feel like that's kind of picking up the phone. Like it's ringing and you're like, oh my gosh. But the second you get down that first drop, the rest of them on the roller coaster, the flips and stuff, you're screaming, having a good time. At least most people, not everybody, but most yeah, people yeah. feel that way. And for me, that's the way the calls go. The first one, I'm a little bit nervous. As soon as I get in that flow, I'm ready to go through the rest of them because I got over like the the scary uh, first step, if you will. And once I did that, it, it's kind of smooth sailing from there. Yeah, I think the other thing you can do, just uh, thinking outside the box too, the, one of the ways that I would also do this, if you are really not into calling clients or really, you know, you're really struggling with it, that you can, what I, what I used to do and do is I asked my, my staff, uh, you know, tell me about anything you've heard from any of our clients that caught your attention. You know, if you ask the right question to your staff and say, what, was there anybody who's recently told you that they didn't, you know, like something about us? You know, usually my staff will come in and tell me that one that I don't have to ask. Um, but, you know, but, but just saying, hey, what are you hearing about what's going in the marketplace? What are you hearing from our clients about what, what they're dealing with? Um, if, you, if you ask that in a staff meeting once a week, just the fact that you ask that, you'll get some pretty interesting uh, responses. Oh, yeah. Uh, that that's brilliant. I mean, that's the other side of doing things don't scale. Like there's the, the customer side, and there's the staff side, like asking them what they've got going on, what they're hearing from customers, what's the pulse. They're, they they see things that we can never see, right? As the founder, that the person who is simply generating my my leads, even the leads I act on, they can tell me things about the websites they're going to, the people they're communicating with that I can't tell them uh, or that I can't tell. So yeah, talking to your staff, that is just so important. And I think something that you want them to embrace is never to be scared. Like I'm, I'm speaking to the listener, Stephen. I think that you really have this down, but you don't want them to be scared to bring you a piece of bad feedback based off yeah. how you're going to react and be like, well, that's your job. You fix that, right? Like it should be a spot where you're like, okay, let me hear it. And I, I really learned this from a guy named Jay Bear. He has a book called Hug Your Haters. And basically the whole concept of the book is if one person's complaining, it's likely that there's 25 other people that just won't say anything. But there's the one person who is who is actually complaining about it. So they're doing you a huge service by saying, hey, this doesn't work or this is going on. So you want to really like you want to hone in on that because that's an opportunity, not something to get upset about. That's an opportunity. And if your staff can figure that out, you want to encourage them to maybe not bring it up all the time. But like you're saying, have a meeting where people can actually feel like this is a safe environment for me to share what pulse I'm feeling about our business. What do you think on that note? What do you think has been the, the book? that has been the most influential in your life in regards to business? 
man, there there are so many books I could reference here, but uh, yeah. I, I think I'm, I'm like looking over my bookshelf right now. Um, one that is really spoken to me, I think in recent times, I mean, I could go to seven habits of highly effective people like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That helped me personally a lot. But one that I think was really impactful is, is called, um, it's by Joey Coleman. It's called never lose a customer again. And he just walks you through like the customer experience journey. So he's basically talking about like for us, SAS churn rate, like how many people are coming in the front door and leaving very quick. And basically how can you make the front door bigger and the back door smaller for people? Not to make it hard to leave, but make it hard to leave because you're actually impacting them in a positive way. I think that that book was just has been extremely impactful for me just to learn how to better understand how someone is using something like a software. When I got started, I had no idea. Like I didn't know what the the journey felt like because I built it. So for me, everything seemed simple. It seemed easy. It seemed like I had enough communication points. When in reality, after going through that book, I realized that there was quite a few things that I was really missing and I didn't like hit the mark on. So that book was very impactful for me. Yeah, I'll tell you mine. Uh, I mean, I like you, I've read a lot too, although I don't read books like I used to for business because um, they get a little repetitive, but um, <laughs> yeah, they do. yeah, good you know, point. I'm kind of, you know, I'm 56 now, I'm kind of on to other things personally more. But, um, but the, the biggest book that had the biggest influence was a book that I read called A uh, Well Done, W H A L E Done. It was, it's by uh, a, a famous uh, author, Spencer Johnson, who wrote The One Minute Manager and The One Minute Salesperson. It's a very thin book, easy to read. But it, it talks about the concept here is that when it's about training whales and the idea that's a symbolism that, you know, you, they, when they train whale, you, they can't hit a whale over the head with a, you know, with something. If it does something wrong, you have to use positive reinforcement. And um, it completely changed my style of, of managing people. I read it at a young age. And, um, you know, nowadays, it's obvious because no, you know, most young people won't take negative criticism. You know, <laughs> right. it, it has to be positive, positive. So my, uh, I, I was, you know, my worst skill set as an entrepreneur was managing people. And uh, so I really had to work on that hard when I was younger and that uh, it became, I, I really focused in on it. I became much, much better at it. But that book was the number one most influential book, uh, you know, that I, that I read. And then there's, there's other ones, but those books make a big difference as, as, as a business owner, don't they? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, I'm, I, by the way, I already wrote down that book. Like, hopefully it's okay. I'm taking notes right now, but uh, I'm learning as well. So I'm, I'm going to pick that one up. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, books, if you think about it, it can contain somebody's entire life's journey and everything they learned. And I don't know, it depends how fast you read, but for me, like four hours, I can read the average size book and I can learn what took them 40 years to learn in four hours. So, I mean, yeah. that, that percentage difference, like that's huge. And there's, there's this old saying that leaders are readers and also that all rich people have libraries and they have them. They don't have libraries because they're rich. They're rich because they have libraries. Yeah. And so I just think it's important for us all to remember that, hey, you can learn a lot from somebody instead of trying to reinvent the wheel, pick up a topical book that are so easy to find these days on something that you're struggling with. Like everything I'm sharing here today, it's accumulation of a lot of different things, but I didn't learn any of it myself. Like I'm not the creator of this idea. I just heard it from a bunch of different people in small segments and begin implementing what I learned. But I, I, I'm with you. I mean, reading is just such an important aspect of, especially when you're getting started, but, or even trying to scale, like it's just an important piece of the puzzle. Yeah. A, a, a guru in my industry, someone who I know well, and, um, 
who, you know, had been, you know, that I paid attention for the last 25 years is a guy by the name of Vern Harnish and uh, Vern Harnish. Uh, he, he's like the largest small business consulting company in the United States. And uh, he, he, uh, he said, you will be the same person tomorrow that you are today, except for what you read, what you hear and the people you meet. So, you know, I, you know, I think that what the, the good thing about business books and these podcasts, especially um, not these, but in general podcasts or videos and all the stuff like that is if you dive into them, the book, maybe you might be a little bit better about it because if you spend that amount of time, you start to really improve in that area. You, you know, if you spend 40 hours reading a book or, you know, whatever it is, uh, uh, you know, you're thinking about it for, you know, three months, two months, and you kind of are going to implement what you take away from that book. So if, if, if you're working on being a better manager, if you're working on be, being more innovative, if you're working on improving processes and procedures, and you read a book about that, you spend a lot of time thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you definitely do. Like, cause it, it's just, you should, right? I mean, some people yeah. read books and they don't necessarily do that. If you don't, if you're not reading to implement and to to grow and change, then reading probably isn't worth your time. Yeah. But if you're saying, no, I want to apply what I'm learning, I want to do something with this, then then yeah, that, that's the right reason. It should impact you, and it's it's important part of what I do. Like I, I do my best to read a book every single week, which I know is a lot. And there's another thing that just doesn't scale, but I just see the impact that it has on me. And if I can get one good idea from it that I can do something with, then it was worth my time because I can use that in the way I'm leading my teams. A perfect example of this is recently I read a book. It's called Anxiety at Work. And uh, it was a very impactful book. It just recently came out, but it made me realize that although I'm very confident what I'm doing, I have some, I'm called lower level employees because they're, they're part-time, they're still working their way up. They don't understand what I see. And by me not articulating where the business is at, I'm doing them a disservice and they might've had some anxiety around it. And when I started asking them like, hey, do you feel like you have a good pulse in the business? They were saying no, they weren't sure if they'd have a job in a week from now, not because the business wasn't doing well, but because they didn't understand what was going on with it, where it was growing. And that was a perfect example. I, I learned that from reading a book. I implemented it with my team. And every week I hope to get something more like that. Yeah, I actually had the opposite problem in that oh, no. I had yeah, I had to limit the amount of reading I did. And the reason being is um I would get my 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 mind tends to be an idea factory. So if I, if I read too much, I, I would just, I just drove my staff crazy um, because I'd come in with a new idea of the week or a month or whatever. So, you know, I, I was able to, you know, especially when you start a new business, you know, honestly, the first three years, um, you're not lacking ideas. Right. You know? Definitely it's, not. You no. are a true entrepreneur, sir. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So after three years and, you know, or five years and seven years, you want to get a little bit more better at what you do. That's a different story. And, you know, maybe if you want to pivot a little more, or get better, those type of things. So, so, you know, today, um, really the, 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 the theme of we, let's not, you know, make sure we make, let's not make a mistake in telling people you want to scale your business. You want to yes. have processes. You want to have procedures. In fact, you will not get over $3 million in sales if you do not build processes and procedures. And if you don't like that word, like I, my business partner doesn't like processes and procedures. He like, he, 
he doesn't like being stifled. So I use the word best practices with him. Smart. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I'm a big process and procedures guy. Me too. And I'm like, so, so I'm like, well, let's build a best practice for this. Okay. And that, you know, that means the same thing. You document things, you make sure we, we're doing it all in the right way. Everybody's doing it the same way, stuff like that. But if you don't do that, um, you are just not going to scale your business because, right. right. Because it becomes a point where, you know, you have to have other people doing what you do. Yeah. You know, from day one, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because yes, we, we want our business to scale and they should. And for, for me from day one, I started with my, my wife and my business partner. My wife had actually sold her business just a few months before uh, coming on board with this. And I had her documenting everything she was doing. And she's like, man, like we're so small. Why are we, she even asked, she's like, why, yeah. are we, why are we documenting all this? Like, does this matter? I'm like, when we hire somebody, do you want to spend months training that person? Or do you want to be able to give them a documentation, like a file, the documentation, the SOP, the standard operating procedure, what we're doing and tell them, here you go. Yeah. And uh, at first I got a little bit of friction from both of them. I'm like, no, cause I'm a documentation guy. Like I like yeah. to have that. It's so important. And by doing that, we've been able to now, like anytime we hire somebody, the onboarding process is, is hours instead yeah. of weeks or months. It's because we have very good documentation. that's regularly getting updated and improved as things change. But that that's the only way you can scale a business. And it's a discipline. I mean, it's not, I'm not gonna say it's easy. Like it's, it's quicker for me just to do something, right? Someone says, I'll do it faster. But if you just take the extra three minutes to make a video or to write up what you're doing, you're going to thank yourself in the long run when you're not pulling your hair out, staying up 24-7, trying to just keep up with the small tasks that you shouldn't be doing. Again, when I say doing things don't scale, it's doing the right things that don't scale, not the wrong things. Like you shouldn't be in your inbox forever as, as a founder if you have 300 emails coming every day. Like you should have an SOP for that, a standard operating procedure for the responses that are given and all that. So I, I think you brought up a really important point here, Steve. We've got to make sure that we are doing the documentation, doing the hard work so that the things that don't scale that matter, we can be doing instead of the things that a team member should be doing or should even be automated at some point. Yeah. If you need another reason, um, I, I know it like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of business owners. I don't know any business owner that gets over $5 million in sales that isn't a huge evangelist about Doc, doc, documentation, processes, procedures, best practices, um, formats, yeah, however you want to put it. So if you know that everybody who goes over $5 million in sales and you want to get over $5 million in sales and you know that these companies that do it are doing that, then do it now. Get used to it. So, um, I mean, I'm a big uh, it's obvious that that you have to do that if you want to get to a certain size. So, um, so you know, but on in the contrast of what we're talking about today is don't forget that you want to stay close to your clients. You want to stay in touch with them. Um, you know, feel that, you know, both Alex and are saying we both struggle with it. We both believe in it. Hopefully our listeners can do a better job of both you know, of what Alex and I sometimes struggle with. And if, if any, of our, any of my clients are listening to this and they want to talk, uh, I'd love to talk. <laughs> I'd love to yeah. hear from them. Maybe I can get them to call me. Make it, make it public. Them. Look at that. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> You're calling yourself out. <laughs> there you go. So um, that's all the time we have for today. Alex, I want to thank you so much. Uh, today we were speaking with Alex Santa, uh, 
San Felipe, San Filippo. I was doing so good there for it's a good. while. Hey, no one um, ever gets it. I've been called out <laughs> San Francisco and they were okay with it. So well, I respond to all of it. That was good. <laughs> yeah. From, and his company is Podcasts Match. Uh, Podmatch. Yeah. yeah uh, Podmatch. Sorry. Um, and um, if you want to visit it, podmatch.com. And I want to thank you for coming on today's podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend. And also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your business, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at fscreditline.com. Alex, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Yeah. Thanks again for having me, Stephen, by the way. This, it was an honor to talk to you. You asked phenomenal questions, a really brilliant conversation I enjoyed. I'm looking forward to sharing this with my network as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anyone's interested in what I'm doing, you, just, you can just go to creatingabrand.com. That's kind of like the parent company for Podmatch. It's also the name of my podcast. You can find ways to contact me there. But again, that's creatingabrand.com. But I highly recommend sticking with Stephen and Entrepreneur MBA. This is a phenomenal podcast. And thanks again for having me, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And for our listeners out there, if you're interested in getting some new business ideas, I tweet daily at Lessons for Business Owners. And my my tweet handle is at S. Halasnik, which is my name, S-H-A-L-A-S-N-I-K. And I would tell you guys, you know, I, I've been doing it for, I guess, uh, two years now. And, you know, I'm always coming up with new ideas based on the, my experience. And I think it's, uh, it, it's helpful if you're on the Twitter platform to, to uh, subscribe to it. Um, again, that's S Halasnik, H-A-L-A-S-N-I-K. And for all those uh, business owners that are out there, uh, is, we're lucky to be doing what we do. Um, you know, uh, uh, Alex was talking about this one podcast that I did with Adam Robinson and uh, Adam and I uh, uh, went to an MIT uh, uh, birthing a giant's three-year entrepreneur program together, uh, which is like an executive program. It's not like full-time. We went uh, one week a year. Uh, and what he said was so interesting. The people who, the 60 people who went to that class um all made a commitment to entrepreneurship for the rest of their lives. And uh, it was totally amazing when we look at those 60 people now, how many of them have built really successful company because they made a commitment to learning and to entrepreneurship. So it's always a good idea to learn. And on that note, we're going to end for today. Everybody have a great day. Get outside. Stop being an entrepreneur for a little bit and enjoy the good weather. Have a good day. All right.